0: what's up everyone today is Wednesday Thursday 11 11, uh, November 2nd okay one day I'm going to start one of these shows and get the date down right today just happens to not be that day but it is Thursday November 2nd 2017 and we are here for yet another edition of the MMA ratings podcast my name is Rafael Garcia Thank you for taking some time to listen to our show tonight. You can find us here on YouTube each and every Thursday. You can catch Swan and I talking on Spotify, no, me, not Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple iTunes as well. Be sure to check out our past episodes. Give us a like and a share because we definitely appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show. But with that in mind... Shawan Humes is not here today because he had to, again, do some daddy-duty stuff. There was a parent-teacher event at school today, so you know, of course, him being a super dad, as I call him, he had to be there. So, again, I am riding solo. Talk about what we have coming up this week in mixed martial arts and definitely have a couple of things I want to sit here and chat about because I think that there's a lot of good news going on in the MMA this weekend. We have two events, two major events going on Friday and Saturday with Bells from 186 on Friday where Ryan Bader is defending his title against Linton Vassal. And we also have UFC 217 on Saturday with obviously Michael Bisping, GSP, Yun Jacek, and Rules Nama Yunus, and Cody Garbrandt and... Um, TJ Dillashaw. So we have quite a bit to talk about, I mean, in just those two events by themselves. And we also have um, to look at just some news bits from this week that I think are pretty interesting. And thank you for taking some time to listen to our show. And we're going to jump right in some news first. And I guess I'm I wanted to definitely talk to Siwon about, and that was the idea of, of combat sports and trash talking. Because as I mentioned last week, I spoke briefly about Kobe Covington and Ioana young I just wanted to talk about where, where trash talking lies within the combat sports world. And if either one of these two individuals said things that went too far or the I think it would be interesting to kind of catch his uh, insight on both sides. I think that may something that we come back to at the end point but I am not going to belabor the conversation and bring it back up today. So we're going to keep it moving because I have three pretty interesting news bits I want to talk about for this week. And the first one is Conor McGregor. Uh, He is back in the news, not for a bad reason, not using an inflammatory term, but for talking about his upcoming fight. Uh, And he has some pretty interesting quotes that I am Definitely happy to see, and I'm glad to see fighters taking this step to put themselves in a position to be more than just a fighter. Uh, He was speaking to – who was he speaking to? I don't even know who he was talking to. But um, I I picked this up this week reading uh, MMA Fighting by uh, Dave Doyle wrote about Conor McGregor's comments about being seen as a partner and a promoter in his next fight with the UFC, you know, it pushes for him to uh, compete in a title unification battle against current interim champion, Tony Ferguson. Uh, and while that is definitely an interesting fight, I wonder if his comments from this week will be hinder that or make that conversation much more difficult. So here we have Conor McGregor having a conversation about it, and his words are, we will see. We're in the process of negotiations. There's a couple of opponents across different sports now in play. There's there's a boxing game also. And he also said, it's got to go. It's got to. They've got to entice me now because I came from a billion-dollar fight I want equity. I want pay-per-view. I want to be a true partner. You have to entice me now. I want to be a partner. I want to be a promoter and I want to be a fighter for me to continue. So he said some very interesting things there because first and foremost, you know, this this is a negotiation which is very important to recognize because in with other relationships that the UFC has with Other fighters, even champions, it's more of a directive. This is who you're fighting. This is who you're facing next. But they can't do that with Connor. He's shown he has the ability to play that game and to kind of leverage against the UFC, which he has successfully done in the past. I mean, hell, he almost forced their hand into creating the fight against Floyd Mayweather. And even though everyone kind of had an idea of how that was going to go down, fight still happened. He still willed it into existence. So to hear him talk about wanting to be recognized as an actual promoter and not just any other fighter on the roster, it's it's a positive step in the right direction. I mean, as I mentioned, heading into the, the Mayweather fight, it's eerily similar to a lot of the things that Mayweather did when he was back with Top Rank and Bob Arm years ago. So here it is now that McGregor's flat out saying that he wants to be seen as a partner, he wants to be seen as a true promoter. Well, I haven't seen any responses from the UFC quite yet and I think that that is important that they t- that that they are more calculated with whatever their response may be. But I've long said that McGregor is really the linchpin in the fight for fighters to take back more of their rights, to take back more of their power within the sport. He's really been—he really is the linchpin in um, in that fight, especially now that Ronda Rousey is no longer available. It's it's definitely wherever Conor throws his weight has the has the better leverage in the conversation. So. I am not sure how the UFC will respond to this. I mean, other fighters have tried to go this co-promoter route with the promotion. We all remember the situation with Fedor Emelianenko when he was originally pinned to fight Randy Couture. This was this was years ago. This is back in almost a decade ago. But the um, M1 wanted to have some co-promoting stake in the game, and UFC basically put their foot in the sand and said that we're not co-promoting. We're not co-promoting, and that's where that, that stands. Well, you have seen that change. Um, they co-promoted the fight against the, the Mayweather fight. They kind of did that last minute because originally it was just Mayweather promotions that were leading the charge, but they did, um, they did get a co-promoter license to work with that, with that situation. So with new leadership within uh, the UFC in place, and I mean ownership within the WME-IMG group, they're clearly looking for new ways to expand, new ways to tap into their um, tap into revenue options. We're gonna talk about the rumor about Zufa boxing as well, which I think is going to be the next conversation point here. But WME-IMG is clearly open to taking on New opportunities, and I am—I won't be surprised if they. I don't want to say completely bend to Conor McGregor, but I think there's going to be some listening, more listening than usual, with this situation here, and I think it's important because it's a—it's a, it's a growing step in the fight for more fighters to um, take back more of the pie. Do I think it's going to be easy? No. Do I think we're going to see it happen quickly? I also know, but I, as I mentioned, I'm also just glad to see that Conor McGregor is drawing the line in the sand and he's making these statements, saying what he wants and putting it all out there. He wants to be a co-promoter. and I'm totally behind that. I'm totally behind someone stepping up and saying we want more of the pie and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens from this situation, what grows out of this conversation, because it's going to be—it's definitely going to be a—a a, a fight. There, I mean, it's clear that McGregor is the star in not only the division but in in, in the sport. Ferguson Ferguson is a great athlete and he is a great fighter. I think he'll be a great champion. I mean, he's done things in the lightweight division that have never, ever, ever been done before. He's on a historical run. But, as rappers used to say, he doesn't move units. Will he cause millions of people to do turn in, tune in and watch whoever he fights next? I doubt it. Will he cause headlines to be grabbed across, across ESPN, across... Uh, Different um, across different channels. I doubt it. He—he um, he isn't. No one is really the draw that Conor McGregor is right now. So they have that going a- against them. But here it is. You know. Um, oh, no. So anyway, I—I I I, I just saw something pretty interesting. Reference to Cody Garbrandt, TJ, TJ Dillashaw, but. I definitely am pleased to see Conor McGregor take this stance and have this uh, conversation and I'm looking forward to seeing how the UFC responds. I'm looking forward to seeing if this hinders the uh, growing fight development between him and uh, Ferguson or whoever is next. I I really think that Ferguson is next. There's been a lot of talks about that and it'll be there's I mean clearly there's Nate Diaz that's the conversation point out there there's um who else there's nate diaz there's kavi and Margaret madoff which i doubt happens because kavi's been out for so long uh even paulie molly Mal- Mal- uh, was out there for a second and i'm so glad that that conversation has kind of died down because i don't want to see anything happen with that I, that's just you know that's something that no one wants to see like we talked about how no one wanted to really see conor McGregor fight floyd may whether i can will go on record and say No one wants to see McGregor fight Pauly more than they want to see him fight Tony or even Nate Diaz or another top contender in the lightweight division. My personal preference, man, I would love to see him fight Justin Gaethje, but we know he's tied up with Eddie Alvarez right now, and hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get that fight at some point in time in the future. The lightweight division is very deep, and there's there's always going to be a wealth of interesting fights there, so we'll see what happens. But... I think there's a lot to look forward to when it comes um, when it comes to what's next for Conor McGregor, and this makes the story much more interesting. So, the next news piece I wanted to touch on is let's see, let me look at my agenda again: Dana White and his continued conversation about John Jones. But and uh, man, I've I've spoken to Sean about this in the past, and it just It never sits well with me to see um, how Dana consistently talks about John and the way he he talks about him in such a demeaning fashion. Now, I understand this has been brought on by John Jones himself. He is not a martyr in any shape or form. He is not someone who has been made out to be the bad guy. He has effed up time and time again. He continues to do so, and it's almost like he—I don't say—doesn't care, but he doesn't know how to fix the situation. I mean, every time you turn around, well, not every time you turn around. We know the situation; he's situations he's been through with the first car accident he was in, with the failed drug tests, with being um, with with uh, the hit and run. The, the pregnant woman that he was in, going back to grab his weed. We've seen so many different situations with John Jones, and it's just it's unfortunate that he can't stay on the right side—not the right side of the law, for lack of a better term—but just stay out of trouble. And Dana White was on the Jim Rome show, and he was asked about the former champion, and. Dana White basically didn't pull any punches. He said what he felt like saying, and his quote was, I don't know, he's just not about the money type guy. He's really not that kind of guy. I just think that John Jones likes to party. He's a guy that likes to go out and have fun and do whatever it is that he does. And I think the money and the fame made it a thousand times worse. This guy couldn't control himself, and he would completely go off off the deep end. I'm not sitting here acting like Mr. Holier than now. We've all gone and had fun and probably partied a little too, too much here and there. But he consistently, consistently kept doing it. Even when he would completely fuck up, he would pull himself together and come out and completely fuck up again. Even this last time, when he came back, fans forgave, and he was the most popular fighter, and everybody wanted to see this guy succeed. And he did it again. It's just unbelievable. Then he said, um, the biggest piece of it is that he called John Jones unfixable. That's like that's the key term, unfixable, and this is the quote. Even worse than that, this guy was looking at jail time. The judge gave him another shot, and this guy was looking at some serious jail time and had a lot of bad stuff, and that still didn't wake him up. If that's not a wake-up call, you're unfixable. And, you know, uh, it's hard to argue that. It's really hard to argue everything that Dana White just said there because this is a – This is a this is a, this is I mean this is not wrong. Here it is we're we're waiting to see what type of punishment Usada gives Jones for his um drug to, his his drug failure after what was that UFC, whatever event that was this earlier this year, UFC two fourteen, and everyone is aware that whatever he gets whether it be two four years, he's losing the prime of of his um his athletic prime for an extended period of time. You've seen that. And now it is, here it is, he's about to be gone again. Now, there's not, that doesn't mean that he can't come back to the sport when his time is served and go right back to being the champion that he is now because he's that much better than everyone else and and the fight game will kind of have changed since then. That doesn't mean that he won't be able to do that, but it's going to be that much harder for that to happen that much harder. And then on top of that, you have to ask whether or not the UFC wants to put that trust in him to do that. Because how many more chances does he have to give them? Or how many more chances does... does, he have with that organization because it just doesn't seem like he makes the right decision when faith is being put on him. So, I mean, ah, this, it, 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 like I said, at the start of, this, start of this point, it burns me up to see Dana talk about him in such a way. It definitely burns me up to see that happen, but uh, there's no arguing the points that he makes. There's no arguing the fact that Jones does consistently get out of hand, that he he has shown a penchant to the get and stay in, in trouble and it almost and I wanna say it's not he doesn't get it, but at what point do you just shrug and just kinda of say, you know, enough is enough? And I think back to right before the night he won the, the title when he was in or the day of when he stopped that mugging and helped that woman. I mean like he had the sports world at his feet. And it's funny because in this morning report on MMA fighting it mentions that that John Jones would be a great 30 for 30 story. Um, and I mean, I think that that's totally right. I mean, the, the one, the Ric Flair story comes out next week. I can't wait to watch it. They've done stories on Mike Tyson, Alan Iverson, that, that, that were fantastic. And I think John Jones falls right into that conversation point. We don't know the story, the book is still open. You know, the thing about AI, the thing about Ric Flair and, and Tyson is that we know how that story started and we know how that story ended. With John Jones, we don't know how this story is going to end. but it's getting more and more, more and more desperate as the story goes on. It looks, it looks more and more like a, uh, like a not a positive outcome, or not one that sees him be the champion that everyone knew he would be. I mean, I was so excited after UFC 214. I thought that this guy was like, yes, he's going to, he's going to be that guy. He was being prepped to fight Brock Lesnar, and what, what would have been a massive fight. He was being prepped to fight Stipe Miocic. Which, which would have been huge, but here it is a, it just didn't happen. So now we got to kind of see what's next. Now we got to figure out what's next for him. But right now, what's next for him isn't fighting. I can tell you that much. What's next for him isn't um, it isn't about uh becoming a champion again. Right now, it's 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 about what's what's next and we'll just have to kinda of see what happens as that story continues to unfold but right now as much as it as much as I don't agree with the way that Dana White talks about him um, I can definitely see how it how he continues to say what he says and I mean, just be able to get away with it, and not get away with it, but definitely be okay with it. That is definitely um, not a as it's definitely something that he can't really be protected by um, in the near future. So let's continue on going from there, and the next news bit I wanted to look at. Let me see, I lost my. Off my Track another Dana White piece was about the move into boxing. And you know, um I don't know really how I feel about this. I haven't really listened to a lot of conversation about it. I and I as I've always said, you know, it's always good to kind of diversify a portfolio. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future with this, but I I don't know. I don't know if this right really surprises me a whole lot. Um, remember, Dana started as a um, as a fight promoter, so it, it shouldn't really be too surprising that this is something that he wants to do again. Or is this, this is an opportunity for the UFC to kind of leverage their name brand and Zuffa to leverage their name brand to? continue to increase revenue as i said it's always great to diversify in what they're doing and within combat sports they are they've already been diversifying across the board offering glory on fight pass offering grappling in the forms of polaris and ebi on fight pass offering um, other mma promotions such as invicta and some other regional uh, groups on fight pass as well so they're already diversifying in that way so if they continue to bring in new pieces of combat sports, I'm not going to not gonna knock that because they're doing what they need to do to continue to make money and continue to build their strength as a brand. So we'll see what happens with this. Like, again, as I said, I don't think it's a bad business move. Uh, I'm just looking to see uh, what happens next and, and how they continue to move forward with that. That's really, really all I have to say. About that, let's look at let's look at some of the fight cards this weekend. I mean, we have two pretty big fight events in uh, UFC 217 and Bellator 186. I'm going to start with UFC 217 just because that's a bigger event. And, of course, there's more to talk about there. Uh, we have Michael Bisping and Georgia St. Pierre fighting for the middleweight title. It's GSP's first time back in the cage in four years. I didn't even realize it was that long, but his first time back in the cage, or uh, was it 2014? Whatever. First time back in the cage after an extended period of time. So there's that. And Michael Bisping, who, after such a long, and I want to say, I'm not going to call him a journeyman because he wasn't, he's not the German type, not the gatekeeper type, but after such a long, and. Um, after such a long career where he continued to pull himself back up, pull himself up by his bootstraps. You know, he is the champion. He kind of backed into the title picture due to an injury, and, and he shocked Luke Rockhold, shocked the, the fight world, and now he has a title. Yeah, you know, he defended it once against Dan Henderson. He hasn't yet defended it against a top middleweight contender. And I understand that. I, I get the frustration behind that, but... You know, he's he's doing what he can do to close out his career, to get the most amount of money he can at this point in his career while he has that title around his belt. And I don't knock him for that. So here he is, he's been able to talk his way into a fight against someone that's probably one of the biggest names that the sport has ever seen. You're not we're not quite sure if he still is that draw. But he has um, talked himself into a fight that, for all intents and purposes, should be a big fight on paper for the organization. There's still a lot of conversations about the expect, the estimates or the expectations for what this card would do from a gate standpoint and a pay-per-view buy rate. I think that's going to be probably the big story leading out of USC 217 uh, in-, in the weeks to follow. But... I mean, in, in all extents and purposes, we're going to treat this as a big fight because it's going on in Madison Square Garden. It features two former or two uh, future Hall of Famers, and there's three title fights on the card. And this is clearly the main event. It's not my most intriguing fight, but it's the main event of the evening. And it's a fight that people are looking forward to seeing. So, yeah, I, I look at this fight, and I end. I'm on. I'm going to pick. My pick, actually my personal pick, is going to go with Michael Bisping just because I think that he has the ability to deter. um, He has the ability to deter a lot of what Bisping is good at, and what I mean by that is. What I mean by that is that... Excuse me. bizby has the ability... I realized what I said. bizby has the ability to deter a lot of what GSP is good at. And what I mean by that is GSP is great when it comes to... You know, being able to wrestle his opponents down, take them down, control them throughout the fight. Clearly. We've, we've seen that in, in, in the past. And, and we've seen that... Um, we've, we've seen that happen over and over again. But... The question is whether or not the question is whether or not we can um, we can expect to see GSP be able to take Bisbean down consistently and control the fight. Because remember, Cho Sunin, who was a bigger fighter than both men in this situation, he had a hard time keeping Bisbee down, so much in the sense that Bisbean was able to Make that fight much more close than it seemed, and almost walk out with a victory. In many ways, a lot of people thought that he won that fight. So, if Bisping is is, excuse me—if GSP is expecting to get in there and and dirty to fight up and and score, take down at the takedown, you have to wonder if he's going to be able to do that, especially coming off of such of a such of an extensive layoff, and I think he had to deal with two knee injuries during that timeout. So. I wonder if if that game plan is going to come to fruition. I wonder if he's going to show something different, show some different wrinkles in in this fight. But I mean, after so much time off and after at this age and at this point in this fight game, we really kind of know what type of fighter GSP is. And At the same time, when we look at Bisping, we know that this guy, he is a cardio machine. You know, he doesn't get tired. He he keeps fighting. He and even when he's in a bad spot, even when it looks like he's out of there, he, he keeps fighting, and he keeps um, pouring it on. He's not someone who. There are a few examples in his career where he's really poured it on to get a guy out of there, and I don't think we'll see that situation in this fight here. I don't. Th- I, if he wins, I think he wins a decision. But what's very interesting to him, to me, about him. Is if he can break GSP's confidence, what I what we've seen in the past from GSP is that if his is confident people can take shake his confidence, we've seen it time and time again. Are we looking at a situation where if GSP does not get the takedowns, does not get them quickly, get them fast enough, and get them consistently enough, will his um will his uh what's the word will his confidence be shaken and will he find himself um will he find himself in a situation where he is unable to if he cannot get the takedowns that he wants, Will GSP's confidence be shaken? And if his confidence is shaken, does that create opportunities for GSP or for Bisping to pour it on and put the Canadian in a really bad spot? That's kind of what I'm looking for on Saturday. I think that that's going to be really telling, and um, it'll it'll really set the tone for this fight here. I feel like Bisping going to come out fast, and he's going to be able to continue keeping a faster pace. And I'm just again, I'm just curious to see what what GSP looks like. So much time out of the game, uh, going up in a weight class where he's never fought before, coming off of serious knee injuries. He, all these things, if this was anybody else, people would be picking against them left and right. If this was Frank Yeager coming out of this situation fighting um, Max Holloway, people would be picking, picking Mac, Max Holloway. If this was Nate Diaz coming back to fight Conor McGregor, people would be picking Conor McGregor. Like any other situation... People will be picking against the man in that matter, but it seems like GSP isn't isn't um seen it in the same regard, and he isn't uh, he's he's remembered differently. So we'll see what happens, and especially when it comes to the the memory part. I wonder how much of a star he still is. Do people still recognize the name GSP? And we'll see that when we see the pay-per-view buy rates, when we see the um, when we see the gate numbers, when we see all that information, we'll see that at that point in time. But I believe during the MMA, beat, last week, Luke Thomas and the crew was talking about that, and it makes you wonder. These numbers will say a lot, and they'll say a lot at a time when the UFC needs a big show. They need another star, and they need another big show. And they were kind of hoping that that this was it, but it doesn't it. The hype around it, and I use that, and I hate to use that word, I use it in air quotes, just does not seem the same. So we'll see once the numbers come out, but there's just not the, not the buzz, the feeling around this fight just isn't there as we've seen in the past. But. That doesn't mean there aren't great fights on, on this card. I personally am looking most forward to the Ioana and Jacek, Rose Unis fight, because as I talked about last week, the mind games that Yoana played, or continues to play with, with, with Rose is just, it is, it's so intriguing to me because it's, it's like, is she crossing the line? Are we ignoring the fact that she may be crossing the line? Did you see at the, um, today at the weigh-in, or not, not today at the weigh-ins, but today she basically put her fists on Rose's face. I mean, they're not supposed to be, they're not supposed to be able to, at least Dana White was standing in between them trying to keep them apart, but her her fist was clearly in Rose's nose and in her mouth, and Rose, again, to her credit, she doesn't flinch. She's like a machine. She just stands there and she's like, Whew, like it's almost chilling to watch to watch these scenes and to see some of these pictures, but this fight really interests me from a technicality standpoint because I but I mean I just don't see I don't see how Rose can pull that out. She has never been that great of a wrestler, so you wonder like how is she going to get the fights in the ground? She's definitely a the better grappler. She has the submission abilities that will I mean halt most of the women in the division, but Iwana has already dealt with a high-level technical black belt grappler, and Claudia Gadelia. handled her twice, and the thing about Gedelia is that her gas tank wasn't there, but even in the fight, the early in the two fights that they had together, Gedelia was getting takedowns, being the stronger fighter, and was unable to do Much with them other than hold position. Um, she looked much better in the second fight, at least early in the second fight, than she did in the first. But still, how, how does that translate to Rose when it comes to getting this fight down to the floor? So I think that's the first intriguing question that I want to see answered come Saturday. And even then, after that, it's let's say you get the fight to the ground, how do you keep her there? We saw Jessica Andraj lifting. You wind up tossing her around, taking her down time and time and time and time again, and Young Jacek is excellent at getting, uh, getting underhooks, getting her hips away, and getting back to her feet. I mean, there's so many different examples I can't think of. one. Probably in the first Claudia fight, that was the only point where someone was able. Well, Claudia was able to take her down and kind of control position for an extended period of time, but I just don't see Rose being able to do that as well, and. If this fight remains on the feet, oof, that's going to look bad because Yonjaycheck. Know, I personally believe she's one of the best strikers in the in, in in the promotion, male or female. I don't care what gender you are. Ioana, you and Jacek is probably one of the, probably one of the best strikers in the uh, sport right now, and I love watching her her um, her work. There was a gift going around earlier this week from the Andraj fight where she's peppering Andraj's body and comes over top with a with a, with a hook that rocked the hell out of out of Andrage, but it's almost like she didn't even see it coming just because of the way she was pressing forward and um you know, Jacek was peppering the body so perfectly. And her technique is amazing. I love watching her strike and I love that the viciousness she has with it too. I think if she gets Rose hurt, she'll be trying to get her out of there, as she usually is. Uh, there's still that talk about wondering because Joanna's been in let me see how many decisions she's had Mm. let's see let's see since winning the title at UFC 185 she's had five defenses the last four have gone to decision which says a lot um, she she got Jessica Penney out of there in, in the third round so it's almost as if she, that she's not landing much with power but she's just overwhelming people and just, like I don't say death by a thousand cuts May, maybe more like death by a thousand stabs because um, she definitely puts the beast to brakes off of of people uh when they get to the cage with her but i am looking forward to this fight there i'm looking forward to that fight and i am interested in seeing what happens next uh the third fight and this is the co-main event Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. So what I was saying earlier in the show is that it seems like Cody Garbrandt has leaked that video of the famed, and I use famed in air quotes, sparring match between the two. And it looks at, it looks like here, that Cody Garbrandt does land an overhand right that dropped TJ he doesn't look like he's out but the way he fell i mean the way he fell looked bad definitely looked bad um man like we've seen guy we've seen refs run in to stop fights for the way TJ fell so i whew, I don't know if this is real or not. Uh, I, you can tell that that's definitely TJ from, from his stance and the way he's throwing punches. But oh, man, it's just, this looks funny. It, it looks interesting. And while this while this uh, rivalry isn't amazing, per se, while it's not everything that we all, I mean, I, I know people are definitely tired of talking about it, tired of, of looking at it and hearing about it, while that's one thing, Uh, this is definitely going to be an intriguing technical fight. I don't think, like, when I, when you look at the, look at the main event, and you look at the way that that fight is being booked, they, those two guys don't hate each other. GSP may be getting flicked off, um, and Bisping may be talking a whole bunch of shit like he normally does, but, you know, those two guys, at the end of the day, I guarantee you they don't hate each other the way that that's being presented. Dillashaw and Garbrandt hate each other, and we're going to see, like this, I I think it ends up, I think it's going to end up being a a close, tough fight between the two, and I'm just looking forward to seeing the action. I'm looking forward to seeing who comes out on top. My pick, oh, do I have a pick for this one? I was talking to Adam Martin, who also writes for MMA ratings, and he was picking uh, TJ Dillashaw to win this bout. I'm going to pick Cody. I'm going to pick Cody for the fact that I think that, Cody's going to show the same type of technique and the same type of abilities that he used to beat Dominic Cruz in this fight against TJ Dillashaw. I think the wrestling, the wrestling aspect of it may be a little bit different, but I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and put my hat on picking uh, TJ Dillashaw for this fight. Oh, excuse me, picking Cody Garbrandt by unanimous decision in the co-main event. There are also other fights that are well worth your attention on Saturday. Jorge Masvidal and Stephen Thompson cannot wait. For this fight here, I'm hoping that Jorge gets a win here. I was actually thinking about this the other day because the welterweight division is in need of another top contender. And while Kobe Covington has talked himself into an interesting position, I don't think he is the next man to get the shot. Um, Rafael dos Anjos is also there in consideration. There's also talks about giving Robbie Lawler a rematch if he if he um, I don't know who Lawler set the fight. Let me look real quick. Uh, because I believe it might be RDA. No, I feel like I heard rumors about RDA and, and Lawler being booked for a fight, but um, I what I would like to see is I would like to see uh, I'm hoping and I'm hoping in in air, in air quotes that we get a match with All Victory because I would love to see him face Tyron Woodley. I think he's someone. Aggressive. I think he's someone that's aggressive enough to make Woodley. F- I don't and I don't want to say make Woodley fight, but he's someone that's aggressive enough to pressure Woodley. And um, I would just love to love to see that happen. If if I lived in a perfect world, I would book Woodley. If uh, if Marsh all gets the win, I would book Woodley and. Masvidal as the main event, and then book Kobe Covington and Rafael Dos Anjos as the co-main and try to get something out of that. But we're not talking about hypotheticals. We're talking about the fight on Saturday. And man, I think that Stephen Thompson is a very dangerous fighter, first and foremost. And he is someone... He's someone that, um, is, is out. he's going to really, he, he he remains dangerous. And I'm interested in seeing what he looks like, too, after those two Woodley fights and how he fights coming back. Um, we'll see what happens. I I'm not, I, I don't think he's at, at that point where he's taking damage and we're going to see a decline in him. But he definitely took some damage in both of those fights, and I don't think he's going to get out of this Masvidal fight without taking any damage at will. Masvidal is very technical. He isn't as aggressive as he should be a lot of the times. That's basically, I will always point back to the Al Iaquinta fight, but he is, I think he knows what's at stake here, and I think he is going to come with the game plan to win and win big uh, on Saturday, and Thompson is a, highly skilled um, technical counter fighter so if Masvidal comes in reckless he can expect to eat one um, from a variety of angles and a variety of, of attacks so he has to be dangerous about that but uh, I think that from a technical standpoint I'm looking forward to seeing seeing this fight because both men are very dangerous and both impose uh contrasting contrasting dangers to one another so that bout in in and of itself is very interesting to me in some regard. Some ways, I wish it was five rounds because I would love to see those two guys go at it for a full 25 minutes and um, fight for something on on the line. We have Johnny Hendricks versus Pablo uh, Bo- uh, Borja Chino. That's who he's fighting, and I mean, we're gonna see what Hendricks look like. He looks like he he hasn't looked. What's his what what kind of run is he on? He's four and six. In his last ten, four six, he was TKO'd by Tim Bosch. He defeated Hector Lombard, then lost to Neil Magny, Kevin Gastelum, and Steven Thompson. Three fights in a row. So yeah, well, um, we'll see what he really looks like. He's moved to uh, John and he's moved down there. And he he had an interesting statement there uh, the other day that if he's there for a year, that no one beats him going forward. I mean, he's 34 years old. He doesn't look like he's in – he's 34 years old. He's in a better – I want to say I I guess he's fighting at middleweight now. He's not having those weight issues that have haunted him his whole career. But he is now fighting at middleweight, and he's fighting a crazy, crazy dangerous guy, though, in – Hachinia, though, I mean, this guy has been starching fools over the last few years. He's 10 and 0, and he debuted in UFC earlier this year. He's TKO two guys, I mean, just like what 10 fights, nine knockouts, one submission. We're gonna see, we're gonna see this guy's world or not. And he's 26 years old, he's always young. Uh, what's his, uh, Luke Thomas again was saying how. Brazilian fighters, like Brazilian fans, fight fans are looking for a young Brazilian fighter to kind of begin to supplant the Wanderlei Silvas, the Nogueiras, the dooms like those guys who were the original Brazilian champions, the, the Belfort, the, the, the Silvas, and that are now kind of falling by the wayside. As, I mean, Father Time is undefeated, so we all know that at some point in time, they're going to start to, to to decline and we're going to see them kind of fade away. And that time is upon us now. So we're looking for that new Brazilian star to step in. And it just looks like it looks like that uh, could be Borchinha. We'll see what he looks like. But he, I mean, he's been doing a damn thing. He's, as I said, 26 years old. None of his fights have gone past the second round. Excuse me, his UFC two twelve fight where he uh, won via knockout there. That was the first time a fight of his has gone into the second round in five years of, of fight experience. That's that's very telling. And Hendrix has had a questionable chin as of late. He's taken a lot of damage in a lot of his last fights. So it's. I see what the UFC is doing here. They are definitely trying to build Borahad up as a potential star, build him up there on the south before taking him anywhere else. And this is the type of win right here that could um, help solidify that push. I don't know what Borahad wrestling is like. We're going to find out because we know Johnny Hendricks has uh, some high-level wrestling there. But we're going to find out because um, that's going to be a key part or whether or not he can win this fight come Saturday. Let's see who else I want to talk about from this weekend's card. James Vick and, and Joe Duffy. I cannot wait for that fight as well because I, I think that Vick and Duffy are two dangerous lightweights who are kind of jockeying for position. Neither one of them are ranked. Uh, let's see what they're coming off of. Coming off of. That's just how deep the lightweight division okay. is right now. James Vick is 11-1. And, and he lost to Benil Dariush in 2016 at UFC 199. But outside of that, he has defeated Marco Polo Reyes, Abel Trujillo, Galicia Alfranca, James Matthews, Nick Heim, Vladimir Lazaro, and Ramsey Nijim in, in UFC's One 1, 2, 3 four, five, 7 and 1 in in the UFC and he's uh, always he's always a dangerous looking guy. So I I've, I've been very in, intrigued with seeing him compete but he is not ranked and neither is Joe Duffy. Obviously Joe Duffy has to deal with being the claim to fame of being the uh he was the last guy to beat Conor McGregor before Nate Diaz did. And since joining UFC, he's defeated uh, Jake Lindsey, Ivan George, Mitch Clark, and Reza Madati. He fell to Dustin Poirier back at UFC 195, and he just looked really off in that fight there. But the uh, organization saw some value in him, and they re-signed him to a deal last year to keep him uh, uh, keep him away from Bellator, which is where I think he was leaning towards going back then. But this is a fight that I'm looking forward to seeing as well, too, because as I, as I mentioned, neither one of these guys are ranked, and this fight has a lot of value to that that division. And like that, like that, that division is just so freaking deep. Any of these guys can kind of surge up to the top at any moment in time. So I'm looking forward to this fight, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for both men because they both can still, win, lose, or draw, they both can still be placed in some very intriguing fights in the future. So this is another bout that I'm looking forward to as well. Something else that caught my attention on this card is a Mickey Gall fight. He's fighting Randy Brown, and Randy has some interesting words to say yesterday to Ariel Helwani when he said that um, he believes Mickey Gall is entitled, which I thought was a very interesting way to put it when you, you just think about the fight game. It's very, it's very interesting to see someone get called entitled. And, I mean, Mickey Gall, he is right. He was like, Mickey Gall has defeated a pro wrestler. He's defeated a reporter. And he's defeated, I mean, Sage Norco, Sage basically a a model. I don't know who he fought the first time around, but those those are guys he's beat in, in, in the UFC and it didn't always look so great. I mean so this is a right this is the right level of test for Mickey. I would definitely say that It's definitely the right level of, of test for Mickey Gall. But we will see what um what he looks like and what this fight really means. I'm I'm interested in seeing who Brown is. This is my first time recognizing him. See Randy Brown. He's twenty-seven, nine and two from Jamaica. Uh, he is—he's three and two in the UFC. He was undefeated when he came to the UFC, but he's three and two now. So we'll see what he looks like um, in. This fight, I think this is, this is important for both guys. He was also on Looking for a Fight, and he was talking about how he didn't get any love from that event. So we'll see what happens from there. I really think that's all that I wanted to talk about from this card. Nothing else really kind of stood out for me across the board. But this is def- That was definitely a fight I wanted to talk about. We also have... Bellator 186 on Saturday night. I mean, you know, a big piece of that is Ryan Bader th- defending his light heavyweight title against Linton Vassal. And I'm, I mean, I'm still happy for for Ryan. You know, he had his struggles in the UFC. He was always in the top of, of the division or near the top five to seven range the whole time, and he always gave people, uh, for the most part, he gave people. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't a cakewalk, but, I mean, he still had his issues as well. So, it's, it's, I'm glad to see him getting his success in Bellator and being able to fight. Still fight some relatively big names he's facing. Linton Vassal, I'm not sure. Linton Vassal just had a big win over Liam McGarry as well. So, I'll probably keep an eye out for that fight and definitely uh, have some intrigue there. Uh, McFarlane and, what's her name? Lima McFarland. I think that's how you say her first name. Uh, I'll close this. Yes, Leigh McFarlane is filing Emily Ducate. McFarlane is definitely is the woman who probably most famous for the soccer mom fight against Katie Castro from Explode years ago. But she won that fight, was brought over to Bellator, and she's been doing the thing there. She fought Emily two years ago, so I'm not quite sure why they rebooked this fight. That's very, 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 very interesting, but um, they're rebooking this fight, and that was a fight that Elimele won via decision against three rounds, three round decision there. So we'll see what happens here. Um, this is a pretty compelling fight to me. On that basis alone, I, I see why people would pick Lee Malay over um, Emily uh, Ducate. But, I mean, it, Lee Malay is someone who I've kind of been watching. Um, She's an interesting prospect. And Bellator is steadily trying to build their women's divisions. And, you know, like, we definitely have a penchant for a close eye on women's divisions. Um, women's MMA here. So uh, that's a, it's a fight <clears throat> it's a fight that I'm I'm also watching and plan on uh, keeping in an eye on. So what that what else did I want to talk about? I think it's really it. Yeah, I'm not really kind of looking at I think Ed Ruth is fighting as well. Which is, you know, I'm always a big fan of the wrestlers turned and yes he's fighting Chris Dempsey Zach Freeman is fighting Saeed Awad. I think that's an interesting fight there as well too. I'll, I'll probably be keeping an eye out on that fight, but that's really kind of all I'm looking forward to from Bellator. One eighty-six is still, you know, it's Friday night MMA. I will actually be at Fight to Win Pro where Gilbert Burns and um, Gilbert Burns will be facing off against DJ DJ Jackson, and what is a very interesting fight there? Interesting matchup that I'm looking forward to. Watching, I'll be there covering it for Bloody Elbow all night Friday because they have 30 matches set up. So there's that. But um, yeah, you know, just looking forward to watching that, looking forward to seeing what's next there. And I mean, that kind of helps me segue into what else I'm working on for the promotion or for, uh, I guess, the industry as a whole. And uh, I just put up a piece about the depth of the West 08 division at for Ratings.net. So I will gladly be sharing that around after tonight's show. So be sure to watch that content and check it all out. Um, and let's keep an eye out on my other work. You always can follow me at Sports. Schwan will be back with us next week. You can catch him at the Black Jordan Breen. And be sure to check out his work on MMA ratings as well. Adam Martin, too. He's uh, our trusted colleague. Be sure to catch all of his work on MMA Ratings and everywhere else that we cover. Um, again, I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to tonight's show. I really appreciate you doing so. You can catch us here on YouTube. Like us on SoundCloud and Stitcher as well, and iTunes. Like and share our content. Definitely click the stars on those platforms. Let people know that you like our work so we can keep doing it. And you know we're coming to a close end of 2017. Um, I have some pretty big goals for the, promotion, for the promotion for the show next year that I plan on really facilitating. So, yeah, this has been um, another good night. Today is Thursday, November 2nd. Be sure to be back on Thursday, November 9th to continue talking about MMA. Thank you, everyone, and have a great and fantastic night.